that we have people that are in other areas tuning in and listening to our worship service on Facebook and then in these 27 other countries, wherever they are in the world, that they would join us in worship. And that's a wonderful blessing of the Lord. Nell said something a few weeks ago when she gave her testimony that I've thought about ever since then. Now, Nell, for those of you who may not know, her whole life is being doing what she's doing. I mean, she had other things and family, but this lady, for example, played the piano, church pianist, played for everything they had, First Baptist Church of Mineola for 40 years straight. Her sister did the same thing at another church. So Nell knows about church life. She knows about church fellowship, okay? Now, here's the point. I heard her say right here that these last four years after the Lord brought her here, she said, these have been the four best years of my life. Now, I want you to think about that carefully and what that means. This is not a newbie in church fellowship. This is someone that knows church fellowship. And she said, these have been the best four years of my life. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. I don't care what we do going forward. You know, whatever we do, however we grow, one thing we do not want to lose, we don't want to lose the fellowship that we have in Christ Jesus in this place. That has an impact on people like that that come to be a part of us as well. I noticed the last Wednesday night we gathered in the fellowship hall and and Brother Phil has done a wonderful job of teaching through Revelation. And then we have a, you know, we have a study, and then we sing a song, and then we have a meal that the ladies bring, and it's always good eats and all of that. It's fine. And I noticed something. After everyone had finished eating, no one left. Everyone stayed. That's a sign of rich fellowship in the faith, where we love to be together like that. Whatever we do going forward, let's don't ever, ever lose that. From fear through faith to victory. I feel like we're on a roll. <laughs> Both of them got it right this morning. <laughs> and this is where we're going. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 20, 1 through 20, 37. I'm not going to read all that. I put it all down for your reference particularly because we're going to move around some. We're going to do a biographical sketch of this King Jehoshaphat. And we're going to touch some in chapter 17, chapter 18, and 20, and so forth and so on. We're going to move around. And by the way, in the Pew Bibles, this is on page 423. And I think you'd, if you don't have your Bible with you, you would enjoy it better possibly if you can read along with it. Because I'm going to read a lot of text today from these other chapters as well. Well, now here we are on our calendar in our country. We are less than a year away from our next presidential election cycle. And there all the campaign is going on, all the mudslinging is beginning or whatever else. Everyone's setting their hopes on his or her candidate and their particular political party hoping to be in charge for the next four years, getting the upper hand then on the direction of our country. Those on their left, 
working to continue the leftward slide of a once great nation down the slippery slope into socialism. And the other end of that, of course, is communism. Those on the right, seeking to turn the nation around back to its founding roots, which was on the word of God. Each side is banking their hopes on an election system, which may or may not be fair. Who knows how that's going to turn out. I'm on the same side as I suspect each of you are. And the whole process, based on recent history, makes me edgy. And I suspect it makes each of you edgy as well. John Calvin once said, those who rule unjustly and incompetently have been raised, have been raised up by God to punish the wickedness of the people. And we need to take heed to that because I think he did not speak amiss. I think John Calvin knew what he said was right because he had a word from God and that's the way it is. He is the witness of God in the Old Testament and all down through history we see that. God raises up incompetent and wicked people to rule, to judge the people. All that being said, in the final analysis, we need to remember who's in control. God is in control, and the battle is the Lord's. That's it. God is in control, and the battle is the Lord's. That, mean, that does not mean we sit on our spiritual duff and do nothing, but it does mean that the battle is the Lord. And it's exactly what King Jehoshaphat learned thousands of years ago when he was king of Judah. Certainly a different time, but not a different, not a different father. Same sovereign Lord. Well, let's read our text, Second Chronicles chapter 20. 1 through 12 is what I will read. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with him other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, the bay had Hazan uh, Tamar, which is in Gadi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all of the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem and the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, Art thou not God in heaven? Lutest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive us out of the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel, and gave us to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And that dwelt therein, and had built a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If, when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment or pestilence or famine we stand before this house and in thy presence for if thy name is in this house and cry to thee in our affliction then thou wilt hear 
and help. Now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Holy Father, that's true. That's true of us. I pray, God, it's true of all of us within the sound of my voice. Our eyes are upon thee, O God. You are in control. You reign supremely then and now and forever. All of this is thine. All the galaxies, all the planets out there, this small sphere called Earth and its inhabitants, this is all thine. And we love it, Lord, that thou art sovereign and you ruleth over all. Lord, bless us this brief moment in eternal history as we worship together in the study of your word. May it be for your honor and praise and glory. And that necessitates, Father, that it be all of thee and none of me. So wear me like a garment, that there be no distraction from your holy word and counsel. In the mighty and peerless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, let's do a little background study on King Jehoshaphat. He was king of Judah in the 9th century B.C. He began reigning when he was 35 years of age. He was a righteous king. He reigned 25 years. He was a son of Asa, his father, which was also a righteous king of Judah. You will notice the testimony in verse 32 of chapter 20 concerning Jehoshaphat. He walked in the way of Asa, his father, and departed not from it, doing that which was right in the sight of of the Lord. So we have a second generation godly leader, king of Israel, Asa his father, Jehoshaphat his son, doing that which is right in the sight of the Lord. God give us that in America. Notice the national results in verse 30 of chapter 20 of Jehoshaphat's godly obedient leadership. It says, in the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for God gave him rest round about. Citizens of America and citizens of every country listening in to worship with us this morning take note the source of their peace and rest. It's from God and God alone because they had godly leadership at the helm. They had peace and rest on every side. Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he had chosen for his own inheritance. And listen to me, folks. Some people will say, well, that was talking about the nation Israel, and that's history. Notice the second phrase. Certainly, blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. That could apply to any nation. 
But you have the chosen, he has chosen, if you've been born of grace through faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're as chosen as Israel ever was. You're chosen as a, an eternal inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it certainly applies to us. Blessed is that nation and its populace whose God is the Lord. He was not a perfect man, and there are no perfect men. 19.2 of Second Chronicles, Yehu, the seer, he was a prophet, went out to meet Jehoshaphat and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath come upon thee because of what you have done. What has Jehoshaphat done? If you go back to chapter 18 and verse 3, you find out that he made an alliance with Ahab, one of the most wicked individuals that ever walked the planet, King Ahab of Israel, and he made an alliance with him. And I don't know, but quite likely, probably, maybe, he made that alliance because his son Jehoram married Ahab's daughter, Ataliah. Possibly, you know, wanted to have good family relationships with a new in-law group or whatever. I don't know. But that son did marry Ahab's daughter. And that son was nothing to brag about, and neither was that daughter-in-law. And Jehoshaphat arranged that marriage. And I'm not up to criticize him, but if, if I remember when I get in glory, I'm going to say, hey, Brother, why did you do that? I don't know what he'll say, but I think he might say, I wish I hadn't, because it caused all kinds of problems. Jehoram, Jehoshaphat's son, succeeded him when Jehoshaphat died. Jehoram came to rule. Okay? You know what he did? One of the first things he did after he came to rule, he killed all six of his brothers to secure his rule. And then he was killed. He died. And his son Ahazi, Ahazo, how to pronounce it, ruled in his place. Sharp time, though. And then at Adaliah, that wife he married that was the daughter of Ahab, she came to the throne to rule. You know what she did? She killed every single solitary one of her grandchildren. Good grief, how wicked. That's true. How could you possibly do that? But I'll tell you something else. It all came to pass unwittingly by her to fulfill the prophecy against Ahab and his prosperity because of his wickedness and the curse followed down through the line till they were all destroyed. Nevertheless, Jehoshaphat, the prophet said, there's some good in you, 19.3. There's good things found in thee and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and has prepared thine heart to seek God. He wasn't a perfect man, and we aren't perfect men or women. We don't get it all right all of the time, but we prepare our heart. Look at King David, how he fouled up some. What did the scriptures say? God says he's a man after my heart. Remember when you stumble and fall, get up and go after God's heart. Seek the Lord with all your heart, and you'll find him Everything he said he is in the scripture. God, give us grace to, to seek your heart with all we are. Look at his leadership. Note his attitude toward the Lord. 17.6 of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. 
His heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves. He established a national religious education system. What for? To teach the word. <laughs> Glory to God. Second Chronicles 17, 7 through 9. The third year of his reign, he sent out princes and priests and the Levites. What did they have? The word of the law, the law of the Lord. They taught in Judah. Went out throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people the law of their God. A natural, national religious education system. Jehoshaphat himself went out. He lived in Jerusalem. But he went out again through the people from Beersheba way down south to Mount Ephraim way up in the north. And he brought them back unto the Lord of their fathers. He set judges. He gave them clear instructions, though. He set judges in every city throughout all the land, all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city. It's just in 19, 5 through 6. He said to those judges, Take heed what you do, for you judge not for man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Watch your step on the judicial bench. You're not in this for yourself. And you're not in this for your cronies. You're in this to serve God and the role you have been given on the judicial bench in this land. Nineteen seventy says, Fear the Lord. Let the fear of the Lord be upon you, and take heed and do it. For there is an, no iniquity in the Lord our God not respect of persons, and not taking of gifts. Second Chronicles 19.9, and he charged them saying, Thus shall, thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord faithfully with a perfect heart. What does that word perfect heart mean? It means an undivided heart. They weren't muddled with wrong motives. No selfish personal agendas or the agendas of any lobbyists that might come. They were not seeking any personal gain. They couldn't be bought. You've got to be above purchase to serve on the bench. No taking of bribes, no cronyism, none of that foolishness. With clarity of heart, remembering your call before God Almighty to serve as a judge on the bench, to judge fairly according to righteous principles. If every court in this land was like that and obeyed that to the letter, this country would turn so quick, it'd give us cricks in our neck. It would turn like that. He encouraged those judges, though, deal courageously, 19, verse 11, deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with the good. He also had a biblical perspective on homosexuality. Chapter 22, verse 6 of 1 Kings. And the remnant of the Sodomites, which remained in the land of his father, in the days of his father Asa, he took out of the land. So he mercifully gave them their own restrooms in a far country. He didn't tolerate it there. <laughs> God help us. 
here they found safe haven. That's one thing. But honor? It's listed as a sin like drunkenness and adultery. Why aren't we, why don't we have a, a gay adulterer prides? Why don't we have gay drunk prides for Pete's sake? It makes no sense. God help us in America. Psalm 8, 12, 8 says, King James Version, the wicked, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. The NIV, New International Version, translates that, the wicked strut freely about when what is vile is honored among men. This is not hate speech. This is the word of truth. Remember when Paul and Silas began to sing praises in prison and the prison doors flew open and the chains fell off? Remember when Jonah offered a sacrifice of praise in the belly of the whale and the whale vomited him up on dry land? And here's one of those Bratcher opinions that I can't substantiate in scripture. You know what I believe God did? I believe he told that whale to spit him up on the Nineveh side of the sea so it could continue in the direction he was told to go in the first place. Remember when all that took place? Well, watch what happens now. When Joseph faces enemies armed only with praise, watch what happens. The story opens, then the foes are coming against him. There's an alliance of nations. Second Chronicles 21, we read that. Came to pass after this also, children of Moab, children of Ammon, and with them others beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat in battle. Same thing's happening today. It's going on right now over there. Nations against Israel. Rockets, 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 rockets. And over here, we've got these folks praising Hamas and the Palestine militants and whatever and calling on Israel, demanding a ceasefire. Same thing going on today. And it'll go on again and again. And in the end times, it'll go on. You can look at that if you want to prophetically in Ephesians 38 and 39. Nothing ever changes in that regard. But they never do remove Israel from the land. These nations are returning evil for good. This is true over there. Israel has been a benefactor. Israel has welcomed. They're even on you have some Muslims on the Knesset. They're, they're bored. They're court. Welcoming them. Relentless, relentless. Now behold the children of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou would not let us invade when we came out of Egypt. We turned for them. We didn't devour them. We could have stopped this then, but Lord, you didn't let us do that. 
Behold, look how they reward us to come out, to cast us out of thy possession. Notice that, ladies and gentlemen. He says to cast us out of thy possession. He knew who owned the land they stood on, the Lord. which thou hast given to us to inherit it. King David spoke of a similar experience in 3512 of Psalm. He said, they have rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. Do not be surprised, ladies and gentlemen, if someone you have befriended in the past will come to your foe in the future. <laughs> I know that experientially. You know, you preach in one place long enough, finally preaching through this incredible resource of messages, you're going to land on something that slams somebody and they don't like it. And they loved you until, but now you just, not that popular with them anymore. It happens to everyone that stands up and says anything about this because darkness hates light. That's it. And if you're going to be a part of the light and if it's going to be manifested that you're part of the light, get used to being attacked by the dark. And what do you do when you're attacked by the dark? You immediately give praise to God that you're not part of the darkness yourself, but you're part of the light by His sovereign grace. On a national level, it is political insanity to negotiate with countries, nations who have only one goal, and that's your ultimate destruction. Iran would be just one example. I had to do an extensive paper in seminary on Islam. Islam is always peaceful as residents in nations where they're not in control. But when they are in control, it's different. The goal of Islam, and you can't fault them in this regard, now listen to me carefully, that's a false religion, a false doctrine, and a false god. But you can't fault them who believe all that stuff. In this regard, they're very evangelical in their mission. And their mission is worldwide subjection to Allah and to Islam. That's it. And to Sharia law. Do you realize a few years ago, Roddy Bird Irving, Texas, they were trying to get Sharia law in the city of Irving? Wake up, America. Wake up. And you know something? They had some friends in Lindale that were Muslims. They were good friends. They're nice people. I talked with them a lot. But remember, remember that Islam at large is Islam at a dangerous level. Just listen. Joe, Josephite was a human guy, just like us. 
Notice this emotional response to the threat. There came, verse 2, chapter 20, 2 and 3. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There a, cometh a great multitude from the, against thee from beyond the sea. That would be the Dead Sea. On this side, Syria. Behold, they are in Hezron Tamar, which is in Gadi. In Gadi. And what did Jehoshaphat do? He feared. He feared. And I don't blame him. Not the response to his fears, though. He responded to his fears without focusing on the strength of his enemies, but on the sovereignty of the Lord. We always must remember God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He proclaimed a national fast, chapter th- verse 3, chapter 20. He feared and he set his heart to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And they all responded, verse 4, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord together. Talking about a crowd in Jerusalem. You know, on a personal level, on a national level, sometimes it takes adversity to unite us, unite families, unite nations. It takes adversity. And being united together is one thing. But being united together and seeking the Lord is an incredibly different thing altogether. And they were united together in Jerusalem seeking the Lord because they had a horde, a mass of militants coming at them. And they were just down the road away, so to speak. And they joined themselves together, united together to seek the Lord. Well, sometimes it doesn't last long. It really doesn't. The first Sunday after 9-11, I preached two morning services to a completely packed auditorium, both services. I thought, wow. God's going to use this. And it was one of those services that God was in. I remember it clearly. The next Sunday, not so many. And the next Sunday, and by two Sundays, we were back to normal attendance. Would to God that we come together united to seek the Lord and it became the primary focus of our whole lives. That doesn't mean we quit our jobs. It doesn't mean we neglect our families. But we come together united and we seek the Lord together. There's power in that. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying there's that power in the unity. I'm saying God pours out his spirit and power upon that kind of unity that people give themselves to seeking him with all their hearts. Jehoshaphat expressed his faith in God's sovereignty. Verse 6. O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? In thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? And that's true, isn't it? 
about the Father. That's who you are. We know who you are, Father. He recalled past victories. Are not thou, verse 7 and 9, are not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? And they dwelt herein, and they built this sanctuary here, saying, he, when evil come upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we'll stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction. Then thou wilt hear and help. And then, and this is the right order, ladies and gentlemen. He had the order down right. Because after admitting his faith, he admitted his fear. I know who you are, Father, but I'm scared silly by this mess going on and this horde coming toward us. What did he say? We have no power against them. We have no plan, Lord. Verse 12, oh God, wilt thou not judge them? We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee, God. The enemy is marching there in Jerusalem, worshiping. We don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon you, Father. Oh, in times like those and in times like these, ladies and gentlemen, it pays to remember who's in charge and the promises of Scripture. Psalm 50, 14 and 15, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. None of us wants to be in a situation where it's either we have to be rescued or we're going to perish. None of us. But I'll tell you one thing. If you or I individually are collecting together as a group or ever in a situation where we have to be rescued by God or we perish and we're rescued by God, I'll tell you one thing. It's going to be a day of signal growth in our faith, will it not? Whoa! Look at what the Lord has done. That's what you find in the Psalms. They start out in despair. Oh, Lord, we bought the farm. Then he begins to reflect on what God has done. And he ends the psalm in praise. Glory to God. He is in charge. The battle is the Lord's. So when trouble comes, seek his face. Seek his face. Find out what he wants us to do. And when we find out what he wants us to do in inhibited it inside that as we found out what not to do and we obey on both counts in complete trust the battle is the Lord's say that let's say it together the battle is the Lord's that won't get it the battle is the Lord's amen the battle is the Lord's I don't care what the battle is I don't care who the enemy is the battle is the Lord we just show up as his children in faith. The Father's always faithful. Note these two prophecies to Asa, Joseph's father. Chapter 15, 2 Chronicles 1 and 2. The Spirit of God came on upon Azariah, the prophet. He went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you. 
while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Second Chronicles 16.9 The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. A perfect heart means a heart that's completely his. Totally his. Now watch this progression. The Father, God, spoke through the prophet while they were still assembled there in Jerusalem, worshiping and praying. The enemy is still marching toward them. Second Chronicles chapter 20, 15 to 16. The prophet said, Hearken ye all, Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid or dismayed by this great multitude that's marching this direction, for the battle is not yours but the God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziph. As is, and you shall find them at end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem. Be not afraid, not be dismayed. The battle's not yours. Tomorrow, when you come up, you will find them. And some of those people are probably thinking, you know what? We just soon not find them at this point. <laughs> if the battle is the Lord's, it matters not how big the enemy is. The Lord knows the enemy's ever moved to, verse 16. Think about that. The Lord knows every single solitary move of the enemy. Instead of having to depend on the CIA, they had the SIA, the Sovereign Intelligence Agency, telling them every move of the enemy. I was standing up near the Lebanese border, Israel, Microwave towers, a whole line of them. And I was looking at all this stuff, you know, equipment everywhere. Down below, I could see the white UN vehicles patrolling. And I was looking around, you know, I had a tour group over there. And this gentleman walked up to me, a localite. I'm official there. I said, boy, that's an impressive ray of technology there. He said, indeed. He said, sir, you see the jet? And I looked up and there, he said, our intelligence is such we even know when he blinks his eye. Now he's exaggerating. But I'll tell you, they have that kind of intelligence. It's incredible what Israel has. They're not anyone to fool with, I'll tell you. Praise God for that. After the prophet spoke, they fall down and worship. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat. The leader bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The Levites stood, Levite stood up and then shouted praises. Verse 19, praising the Lord God of heaven with a loud voice on high. Now notice this, that fear is gone, but the battle is still future. That's what faith does. Causes fear to escape. I think it was Corrie Tim was Corrie Tim Boone. Says when fear rings the doorbell, you answer the door with faith. Faith causes fear to flee. 
Here's a question about the Israelites to contemplate. If they had not had this horrific enemy coming toward them, would they have had this tremendous worship experience? To bring it home, what about us? What takes us to have a to come together in a tremendous worship experience, privately or publicly together? Is it some great adversity? It not all be just that. Well, to come together in great worship privately and together because we love, we love the Lord who first loved us. After a day of worship, they set out to face the enemy. Second Chronicles 20 through 21. They rose early in the morning, went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall ye be established. Believe his prophets. So shall ye prosper. And then, verse 21, when he consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Singers went first. Before they are singing praises. Think about that. What is that like? That's like you and I, ladies, and on the church, Grace Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas, is going out to join the fight. And we're marching forward. Here's Roger out in front of us, walking backwards, leading us in worship to the Lord. Praise the Lord. The battle is his as we go. <laughs> well, what happened? Lord filled the enemies, verse 22. When they begin to sing and praise, when they begin to sing and praise, fear is gone. They're worshiping and praising. The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir when they were come against Judah, and they were smitten. When they got there at the watchtower and looked, they were all dead. The bodies everywhere. None escaped, verse 24. They found so much spoil in verse 25, an abundance of riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off from themselves, more than they could carry away. It took them three days in gathering the spoil. It was so much. Every one of the enemy soldiers laid flat by the sovereign power of God. Fourth day, what are they doing the fourth day? Counting their jewels? No, they're back in worship. 26 and 27, they assembled themselves in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the same name of that place was called the Valley of Barakah, means the Valley of Blessing unto this day. Verse 27, and then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in front of them now to go again to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. Note, none of the enemies survived. They're all dead. And Israel had no casualties. None whatsoever. That's not all. The fear of God came upon all their enemies. And you can understand that, can you not? Verse 29 and 30, and the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of all those countries. And they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. God gave them rest round about. 
Verse 32, he walked in the way of Asa, his father, and departed not from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. The promise of Scripture, Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, man, woman, boy, girl, when our ways please the Lord, he make even our enemies to be at peace with us. Well, in conclusion, I want to add one additional thing, meaning no dishonor to Jehoshaphat, this observation from Scripture in this biographical sketch. He made a wicked alliance in verse 35. After this did a Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with Ahazah, king of Israel. This wasn't the first time he had originally made a, an alliance with King Ahab. Ahaz, this king of Israel, who did very wickedly as Ahab's son. It's a wicked thing to make an alliance with him. Say, should we negotiate with Iran, for example? Are those enemies out there who hate us? Why in God's name do we send money to people who hate us? When we are underwater financially in this country, if your personal budget looked like a national debt, you'd be bankrupt and it had been bankrupt for the last 10 years. After a fabulous life and a fabulous victory, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat had a major failure in the fall of his life. He again made an alliance with this wicked son of Ahab, then reigning king of Israel. What about you and me? What about us? In the fall of our lives, are we going to sizzle out for the glory of God? Or are we going to fizzle out because of spiritual failure? Making some compromise with the devil. Getting pulled off track out of the will of God. It can happen to any of us. It's happened to untold thousands. Well, can you imagine? You know, you say, oh, well, this was, this was then. And this is now. You know, my daughters, who is now... As conservative as I am, I remember one time I was, when she was a teenager, I made some statement. She said, Dad, come on, this is the 90s. She didn't say that foolishness anymore. She's learned. But can you imagine the U.S. Marines marching into battle with Hamas and the ISIS warmongers, shouting a battle cry similar to that of young David against Goliath? This is recorded in 1 Samuel 17, 49, 45. This is a brat paraphrase, okay? You come to us in the name of your Allah and Muhammad is prophet, but we come in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of heaven. Can you imagine our Marines saying that, marching into battle against these wicked hordes? Sounds silly, maybe, to you. Remember, it probably sounded silly, Jehoshaphat's enemies the day before the battle. The battle is the Lord's. Always has been, always will be. The battle is the Lord's. <laughs> Lord God, how grateful we are that it's the battle. 
Whatever it is, the battle is thine, O God. Lord, we're so grateful for your word. And we're so for grateful for you, the recorded history that shows us literally how you dealt with people who sought you with all their heart, who trusted you and when confronted with hordes of enemies. God, give us grace to do no less, no less than that, to seek you with our whole heart, Father, for your honor and praise and glory. Certainly we want to win every battle, but Lord, if the battles are won, it'll not be us, but thee delivering the victory for your honor and praise and glory. I pray, Father, that you do that in America. I pray, Father, that you do it for your honor, praise, and glory. I pray, Father, you do it in every family that names the name of Jesus for your honor, praise, and glory. And, Lord, include us in that number. Wear us all like garments for your honor, your praise, and glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.